an outline. That's approximately what I'll talk about today, give or take. Uh, I usually like to reflect on where you guys have been coming from, but I didn't look. So what was your last presentation? Small groups? Small groups. How to destroy a small group. Excellent. And what did you learn at, at this? No. Snacks are most important. If not most important, at least critical. Very much so. All right. So I'm going to talk tonight about uh, using your resources wisely, or our resources. Uh, those of you who can parse language can probably make it to the point that you understand. I'm going to talk about money. But we won't do that up front. We'll do this little veiled thing, and then we'll talk about money. Uh, what I'm sharing tonight, nothing new. Uh, you probably have heard all of this before. I like that a lot, because if you find it boring, it's not my fault. You've heard the material before. Uh, I also like that in this context uh, because it brings us back to something. And as we go underway, what we're doing is not learning something new, but trying to understand it from the context of a call, of discerning a call at least, to covenant community life. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit to put us in context with that, with the broader idea of being in covenant community. I'm going to talk a little bit about a fundamental choice we have. Talk a little bit about uh, the guidance and warnings we get on money from the New Testament. And then just a couple practicals on how we can use this and where we're going with it. Uh, To get started, we have some founding documents that I imagine you've probably talked about. right? We have bylaws and statutes. We have a mission statement. Uh, But one of the things that we've added to that is this document called the Ideals, Practices, and Requirements. Uh, This document helps flesh out, it puts flesh on the bones of our mission statement. What does it really mean to be a community of disciples on mission? What does that really look like? Practically, what what is that? Um, And and it gives us some of these ideals. So I'm just going to kind of read through this. We'll talk about that a little bit. So again, out of the ideals, practices, and requirements. We believe that our Lord has called us to seek after holiness, to join our lives together as brothers and sisters, and to serve him with our lives and resources. The desire to enter fully into the community's vocation is made real or concrete through the commitments that are necessary to live out its meaning. Realizing that all of God's people are called to follow him in various ways and desirous of being faithful in what he has called us to embrace, This document is intended to clarify the meaning of the commitments that are involved in living out the vocation that is uh, the heart of the Redeemer Covenant community. I changed it on yours. I didn't change it on mine, so that was almost bad. Um, So we have these three pieces. Ideals. What are our ideals? Ideals are what we're striving for. Uh, To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Uh, To live no longer for ourselves, but for Him who has died for us. Uh, To live lives of generosity and concern for others rather than uh, lives of anxiety and self-concern. So this is what we're called to be. And and that happens in committed personal relationships. That's what we're about. Uh, That's important because as we look at how we uh, engage our money, it's very often, it's almost always not about us. 
But these ideals are things that we're striving after. Uh, We have a universal call to holiness. That's our ideal. I don't have to be perfectly holy or to be holy as the Father is holy to get into heaven. Uh, But I I probably should be holier today than I was yesterday and last week and last month. And if I'm doing anything right, at at the very least, I should be holier than I was two or three years ago, right? Uh, It's important to remember that this is what we're shooting for. So these practices that we're shooting for or these ideals that we're shooting for are what, what we really want to be. And, and we're making movement towards that. Uh, and the reality is, if we achieve our ideals, they probably weren't lofty enough. So, so that's kind of ideals. Now, that's great. I'm an engineer. We have roads. Roads can't just go on forever. And they should get us somewhere. Uh, so what's the road that gets us to the ideals, right? Uh, what is it that we have that's a little bit more concrete that can help us in striving after ideals. And those are our practices. They're means to express and work towards those ideals. Uh, and, and, and in the most broad form, there are Christian disciplines. Uh, they're the things we do in our life as Christians. They're walking in the path of the disciple. Uh, in community, we actually have a bunch of those things and we've given them a separate name. Anybody want to take a guess? The Christian disciplines, daily prayer, family prayer, the bundle. This is the bundle. The bundle is a collection of the practices that we do. Uh, we, we seek to use our resources and our abilities to serve others, but then to also take us further on the path towards our ideals. Uh, and, and these disciplines, these practices, uh, support the community's life and mission as we serve one another. Um, and then finally at the bottom, there's this idea of requirements. So up here we have ideals is what we're really after. And down here we have requirements. And the practices get us ideally from the requirements to the ideals. But the requirements are really kind of the baseline. If we're not doing some of these certain things, we're not what we say we are. Like we're not really living the call that we've been called to. Uh, so these are kind of the components that fall in there. Specifically as it talks about resources, we do a couple things. Uh, and, and you've all, I'm sure, probably sat through the Stewardship Sunday homily. What, what do we talk about? It's our time, talent, and our treasure. And these are our resources. And I was thinking about it. And I think for the most part, anything that we would qualify as a resource really flows in or out of one of those buckets. Um, the resource we're going to talk about today is very much in the treasure portion. And I don't think it's the entirety of the treasure portion. Um, but it's a component there, and that's money. Uh, sometimes I think we maybe do ourselves a little bit of a disservice when we start to be too ethereal about this idea of treasure. Um, and so I'm kind of probably done with the language of time, talent, and treasure here until the end. We'll talk money. Uh, but our practice is really that, uh, that we're called to give financially where we get life. And in a perfect ideal world, those places where we get life would, should certainly be our parish and should certainly be the community. Um, and so, kind of just get it out of the way, the question that always comes up that I'm sure we've discussed is how much of the tithe? We encourage a 50-50 split. And, and this is our life. This is where we get life. Our children get a great amount of life here. So there you go. If you're looking for the number, it's out there. And we're going to move on to some, some ideas through this.
In all of this, these, these ideals, these practices, these requirements, we wrap up in the patterns of life we have. And so we're in the patterns of life in community course. We can see how all of these things define what we do. If we're seeking to be holy, what do we do? We enter into a small group where I have men and women that can look at me and say, you're not being holy. And I can look at them and say, yes, no, you're probably right. Uh, I can do better there. Uh, and it's about our prayer uh, and seeking holiness and, and coming to know the Lord. And we do those things, and that's our pattern. Okay, so that's kind of introductory and gets us that far along. When the Lord talks about money in the scriptures, it's very often presented as a conflict. Uh, if I were to say to you, I need a scripture about money, throw one out at me. What's the first one to come to mind? Oh, no! Who do I pay taxes to? Who do I pay taxes to? Okay, the Caesar example. What's the other one? What's the other big one? The talents. The talents? Okay. How about you cannot serve two masters? The rich man. The rich man. We'll get to him in just a moment. But one of the big ones is you can't serve two masters, right, out of, out of Matthew 6. No, one, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be attentive to one and despise the other. Uh, our treasure is given to us, especially our money is given to us, and we're given a choice. We can't serve Two masters. And I think as we sometimes take a look at this and say, okay, so I need to have a primary. I need to have the Lord, but I can still kind of hold on to this as long as the Lord is, is more so. Uh, Eric, if you're going to go on vacation, where would it be? Hawaii. Hawaii, okay. Even right now? Even right now with the lava and the earthquakes? Yes. Okay. Lori, vacation, where would it be? What? Ooh, Venice. So I got Hawaii and Venice. And I've decided I'm going to be a disciple of vacation. Can I serve Hawaii and Venice? We're going tomorrow on vacation. Can I serve Hawaii and Venice? I can't. What's that? It's a really long vacation. But it's not. I can go to Hawaii or I can go to Venice. We can't serve two. We really can't be focused and commit ourselves to two masters. And so what the Lord is really saying is, we have a fundamental choice. You can look to me as Lord of your life, or you can look elsewhere. And we see that with the rich man. Does anybody remember how the rich man and Jesus come to meet? Do we know at the beginning of that story? The rich man comes to Jesus. Yeah. And what does he say? Good rabbi. It, it actually says, he, he runs up and he kneels before Jesus and says, good rabbi, what must I do to inherit? So what do we know about the rich young man? We don't know that he was holy, but we know he's certainly striving for it, right? He, his desire was good. He wanted to obey God's laws, and, and, and he's worked to do that. Because what's Christ's first response to him? Nope, that's his second. His first is, Obey the law and the prophets. And he says, I've done those things since my youth. So his motivation is good. His desire is good. He's seen that Christ is worth, worth following. And then the Lord gives him a second answer. And in the scriptures it actually says, then he looked at him with love and said to him, and come follow me. That's right. Sell it all and come follow me. 
He was given a decision. This was a point of decision. Okay, you've seen, you know, you desire. But how much do you desire it? And if we carry it on one more verse, what, what happens? He, he walks away sad. Why? Because he had many possessions. Now, I, I, I don't know. This might be going against all of that. Don't add to the books. It's sometimes fun to think. Uh, we presume that he went away sad because he didn't want to give up what he had. I, I think my, my choose-your-own-adventure story here, the next time Jesus passes through, he pops out and says, I did it. I'm in. You know, and we don't know that. And it, but how awesome would that be? Anyway, so that's the, the rich young man. It's this invitation, this desire, th- this opportunity to truly express our desires for what we want. And what we're really looking at is, is asking the question, who will be my master? Money, wealth, the pursuit of, the possession of, can exert a tremendous power over us. Um, it's hard to live in a world where there are good things and fun things. And one of the problems with money and wealth and all that comes with it is it's tangible, right? It's tangible. It's, it's like real. It's like here. Like I can hold it and see it. You know? It's, it, and that makes it really hard. It makes it... It, it gives it a, an opportunity to have a great deal of power over us. And that's money going away. That's the receipt. Do you need us to hold on to that? Do you need to hold on to that? Show and tell. Show, show and tell? Here, here, here. It's not a shiny person. Hold on, hold on to that for a minute. Okay. Um, if, if we look at the scriptures, uh, and I didn't do this analysis. I stole this analysis. Uh, but there's about 38 parables that Christ gives. Any guess on how many of them talk about money? Not quite half. It's 16. Well over a third, but not quite half. Do you know more said in the New Testament? Is that right? Yeah, the New Testament about money than about heaven and hell together? Interesting. And five times more is said about money than about prayer. This is real. This is hard. Uh, This is difficult to, to set ourselves apart. But we talk... In our introduction course and, and through a lot of our formation about the cost of discipleship, what we're talking about here really is all of my life for the rest of my life, and it's hard. So the New Testament gives us some warnings out of 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. Those who want to be rich are falling into temptations and a trap. They are letting themselves be captured by foolish and harmful desires, which drag men down to ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of evil. Some men in their passion for it have strayed from the faith and have come to grief amid great pain. And so the Lord tells us we can't hold hard to the things of this world, right? What were we made for? God, infinitely perfect and blessed in and of himself in a plan of sheer goodness, created man to share in his own blessed life. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't give us good things. And actually, the principles we're extruding here can apply to anything good that the Lord gives us. Food. I love food. But food, improperly encountered, does harm. Uh, When we talk about using our time, we can do it to do harm. 
We can be focused on ourselves, and it doesn't benefit. So we'll get into some more of that a little bit later. Uh, but the point is, since we can't serve two masters, and since the allure of money can be so strong, it competes actively against the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Um, couple notes on this. You can have any amount or degree of wealth or lack thereof and have a love of money. It's not about what's in your wallet. What's in your wallet? Uh, but it's, it's about how your heart feels about what's in your wallet. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and, and one of my regulars is Dave Ramsey. Uh, and he talks about a couple things. But one of the things he always talks about, uh, he went bankrupt. And he, he talks about, I've been broke, but I've never been poor. You cannot have money and not be poor because your heart is right. If you don't have money and your heart isn't right, that's where you get into that level of, of I'm poor. Uh, because our, our mind and our eyes aren't where we need to be. The love of money induces a number of other things. It brings with it all sorts of friends uh, to set up shop in our life. Greed and anxiety, covetedness, selfishness, stinginess, uh, insecurity, resentment, jealousy. And again, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit further. But the problem with these things is they, they're outside of me. Kevin just got a really new cool car. If I am fascinated with Kevin's really new cool car, where is my heart? Is it with Kevin? No. It's beyond that. It's about me. Um, so these things are attached to the love. And so we need to guard against that. And eventually, the... The love of money brings ruin. That uh, quote from Timothy certainly points to that. Uh, But we also know the story from Luke. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have the space for my harvest. And what did he do? What's that? He built barns. He built barns. What did he do first? He tore down what he had and started to rebuild. But as you read through those five verses, there's a reoccurring theme. What shall I do? For I have more than I can store. I shall tear down my barns and I shall build bigger ones to put my possessions in them. It's this this focus on me. So, okay, that's great. Money's there. It's real. It has a strong pull. My guard needs to be against it being about me. So what do I need to keep in mind as we enter into money? And so the the New Testament also gives us a little bit of guidance. Uh, And there's some things we need to make sure we internalize in our hearts. Again, where is our heart when we interact with our money, when we come to see our money? Uh, And the first of it is uh, God will provide Uh, he has he does he will Um, when when we struggle with the love of money it's often rooted in a number of things Uh, there's a fear that comes right I'm not going to make mortgage I'm not going to be able to get the rent in where's food coming from in November Um, it's this insecure reality that is part of our fallen nature, right? What happened when, when Adam and Eve fell? They were kicked out of the garden. What was the garden? 
It was their provision. It was what they had. And, and so this, this reality of, of insecurity is in us from the fall. And so to battle it, we need to make sure that we understand that the Lord is good. That the Lord provides. Um, <laughs> there's the, in, in the talk content, there's the bottom line here. It says, trust in God and stop worrying. Yeah, and it's not that easy. But we need to build on, the, on the, what the Lord has done for us and remember his provision and know that he can provide. Uh, often God provides for us how? Powerball. God provides us for us all the time through Powerball. No. God provides for us by giving us time and talent so that we can work, make money. That's right. To work. Uh, one of the things we're trying with our children is to make, make sure they understand money is good for four things. Or there's four things you do with money. You earn it, you give it, you spend it, and you save it. Right? But where does it come from? It comes from our work. So we need to be grateful for our work. We need to be grateful for the skills the Lord has given us. Uh, because it provides us that income to care for our family, uh, to provide. It also gives that same income, those same dollars, can be used to help others. Uh, I know generous people in my life. I've been blessed by generous people. Uh, but one of the most generous set of people I know are my parents. Who, in addition to buying a, a Von Miller Denver Broncos jersey for me at a charity auction and bringing it over. Yeah, Von Miller, there we go. Um, have trained their brains, their minds, their lives to point towards giving. And Brad doesn't know this yet. Uh, we're hosting a party together for our children. Uh, but my father's put... Sp- you do know that. You do know that part because it's at your house. Yeah. Um, but my parents went and did shopping and, and I've been trying to, to participate in the shopping. And so my dad has a formula and the long and the short of it is in the end, they're providing food and if we would like, we can give to a food bank. So that's our contribution. But, but it's this heart and this mind to make sure that we're using that for somewhere else. I don't know why that came up because I'm looking at you. Okay. Um, so God provides. He gives us the ability to work uh, in that. Through that, the Lord is good. And he wants to provide both sufficiency and abundance. Right? I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And so the Lord desires this of us. But there's a couple caveats there that I'm going to call out. Um, first, sufficiency is, is, is the starting point, right? The Lord wants to give us for our needs. And then he wants to give us above that for the needs of others. When we take the above that for the needs of others and address it to our wants, we start to make that decision again. We move away from that fundamental decision to make, keep the Lord uh, center in our life. Uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9. God can multiply his favors among us so that they may always have enough of everything and even a surplus for good works. Spent a little bit of time without work last year. I don't know if any of you know that. It was eight months to the day from the day I got laid off to the day I got hired. But um, in that, you start to understand a little bit about what sufficiency is. Um, we've had a really good spring because our sufficiency changed from what it was a year ago. And you start to see. And so I think it's, it's important to remember that the Lord wants to give us what we want. But he also wants to give us what we need. And, and if we are miscalculated and miscalibrated, um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Lord pushed us a little bit to help us redefine sufficiency. Um, there's a whole path here that we could go down. 
uh, about a prosperity gospel and, and, and all of that. And that's certainly not where we want to land. The Lord's good isn't tied to how we handle money. He invites us to handle it well. He invites us to steward it. Um, but he does love us. And, and in the end, we can't judge his love for us by whether checks show up or don't, by whether the work is as, as lucrative as I would like or I don't. Um, so that's important to remember. Uh, but this attitude that the Lord will provide and he will provide sufficiently is important for our hearts. And he provides sufficiently so we can make wise investments. We want to store up treasure where? In heaven. And this is one of those parts where nothing new here, right? We understand this idea. And I think it's certainly part of our conversion as we come to know who Christ is that we start to understand that. Um, That desire we have for security that was damaged by the fall, the Lord wants to provide. But even though he wants to provide, uh, as he does for the lilies of the field, right? He, he clothes them, he dresses them, he knows they need to, the birds need to eat. He knows all that, and he wants to provide that. But more than all of that, he wants to provide our path back to our dignity, to our design in heaven. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're storing up for us the treasures that matter. Okay. Enough of that. Uh, any questions on any of that? Let's see if there's anything else in there I needed. The value, of tre- the value of the treasure of heaven is far greater than anything we can possess on earth is the line that's in here. And that's, that's important for us to remember uh, and guides us and grounds us back to make sure that when we get to that fundamental choice, we're weighing properly. See, what was that verse uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God can multiply his favors among us so that you may always have enough of everything and even a surplus for good works. Okay. And, and uh, back to that. The, the point of the surplus is, is that we can do the good works. Right? We can serve. We can be in relationship and help those who need it. Real quick, we'll spend... Five, ten minutes here talking about kind of practical applications. And, and practical applications that we want to look at are really split into two things. I want to talk a little bit about tithing, which is some language we know. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about stewardship. And this will draw us back out of this very focused money idea back to kind of that, that threefold time, treasure, and talent. Um, Gratitude and generosity lead to great living. This is certainly a spiritual reality and we can talk about that. But we can also step back and look at this very empirically. This is studied. The, the surveys have been done. People who have been grateful have been seen to just have better life. Um, and some of that is not because their circumstances are better, but because their heart is better. But gratitude and generosity are very closely related. And it's, the idea here is I can't be grateful to the ether. I'm not grateful to the, the general universe. I'm grateful to a person. So that's the first part. And the second part is I'm grateful when it's been given to me. Kevin, can I have 10 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> 
Is it, is it hard to part with 10 bucks? Not even. No? Nope. It was so easy. <laughs> okay. It came naturally. Okay. Like it wasn't even mine. Like it wasn't even yours. <laughs> this maybe didn't work out as well as it was. Kevin, can I have 10 bucks? Yeah. Yeah? Which one's easier? Uh, that loses even easier this time. Right. Why? Because <laughs> you still got 100 bucks, right? And, and so this, this idea of gratitude. I'm going to take that one back. <laughs> I think that's got to buy dinner tonight. No. Um, this idea of gratitude, of being generous, is, is rooted in it's not mine. And we'll get to that in, the t- in, in stewardship. But it's this, this practice of giving back to the Lord that which he's given to us. Uh, it's a way to honor and worship God. We talk, I was walking in uh, with Elizabeth and, and the guy on the porch asked, you guys all going down here, what, what's the deal? You know? To which I got kind of my package response running in my mind as I finished to the car and, and she started answering questions. But when you talk about the community, what do we talk about? What are some of the components? Well, we're Catholic, and he got through that part, right? We gather together to do what? To pray and to worship. Like, that's our call. Uh, Our tithe is another way in which we can worship, in which we can uh, offer praise to God. Uh, To express gratitude for his provision. Uh, The Israelites experienced the tithe as an aspect of care for the people of God for which they were a part. We, we have sometimes this idea of the tithe being our charitable giving. And it's not really that. The tithe is really our care for the family we've been brought into through our baptism. The family we've been called into in community. Um, it's, it was seen as a responsibility so it's not all that different in my you-need-a-budget line items to have the tithe and to have my grocery budget because it's all about care for the people I am a part of. A quick, quick note on tithe before we move on to stewardship. The law came to us. Moses got the law off the mountain on tablets, right? God said, here is the law. How did Moses come to the concept or to offer us the idea of tithing? Does anybody know? That's exactly it. This is the point. Tithing was not offered to us as part of the law. It was offered through Abraham, who is the father of what? The father of faith. The tithe is not about checking a box. The tithe is about what's good for us in our covenant with the Lord. Going back to Dave Ramsey, he, uh, if you're not familiar with him, is most decidedly Christian. Uh, He is unabashedly so. He is not in your face. Uh, But he often gets calls from those of a Judo-Christian background. And they ask about the tithe and they start to ask questions. Is it off gross? Is it off net? Do I tithe on inheritance? Do I tithe on that? And... He's very clear when he talks about it to draw this distinction. This is not a salvation issue. Tithe is not a salvation issue. But I love the way he articulates what's next. He says, your father who is crazy about you knows it is good for you. And that's why we do it. Because our father who is crazy about us 
knows it's good for us. I think the idea of, of the father being crazy about me has been hard for me to grasp. And, and again, last year, uh, in eight months, not knowing what was next, uh, I experienced very clearly that the father is crazy about me and will provide. But he doesn't do it because he needs it. Now, this might be new. This, this may be the only thing here that's new today. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't. So why do we tithe? We tithe as our part of the responsibility to the people he's called us to because it's good for us. One side note, the community does need your money, so keep tithing. Okay, so that's the tithe. The important part here is, I, I think really the big piece is this point. The tithe came to us as an aspect of our faith, not as part of the law. Uh, and it's our ability to offer the Lord worship and gratitude for all he's given us. Um, okay, so that moves us on to our final point, uh, stewardship. Uh, stewardship is where we're at if we're approaching our decisions with money as well as time and talent uh, with the idea that it's a fundamental choice. And so what is the choice that the Lord calls us to? To have, to, uh, to have lordship over our lives. And so stewardship is how we can say to the Lord, you are Lord over my life and interact with our talent, our time, and our treasure well. Uh, Stewardship operates from a premise that it is all God's. And it is. Uh, All of it is God's. And and the Lord, again, in his infinite goodness, desired to share his own blessed life. And so he gives it to us. So we as stewards, if God is the owner, are what? We're the caretakers. As a steward, we have responsibility. God has the rights for all of it. We have the responsibility for all of it. To use it. To use it for what? Well, if it is God's, then we should use it for his purposes. So it's about using God's gifts in his way for his glory. And stewardship is about that. Where are the places where God receives glory? When his people come to worship, right? That's a place where he, we, where he receives glory. Um, it's our job to make sure that the decisions we make with our resources point to his glory. An important aspect of that is that our stewardship of our finances isn't about spiritually discerning to tithe. That's only the start. But it's also about spiritually discerning what about the other 90%. What else is the Lord calling me to do with, our re- with my resources? Um, Karen and I, for the last number of years, have been on the process of trying to be much better on a budget. And so we do. We've been okay. We've been pretty good for almost two years now. Um, and we've kind of, I got it kind of dialed in. I know where our money goes. And I know kind of what we need, what time of year. And, and it's pretty good. But we always had two items in there um, that were our, our fun money. This is our pocket money. This is... I can go to McDonald's as many times as I want with my $25, and that, I can do that, and that's great. Uh, and Kara does a lot of Dunkin' Donuts on hers. Um, or Sonic. We do a lot of Sonic, too. We like Sonic half-price shakes during the summer. But we came to this realization um, that there was something missing in that. And it, spiritual might be a little bit strong, but our kids would always get upset, you know. 
Why did you have Sonic last night? Now, I'm not a, I'm not a fairness guy. I'm dad. If I want Sonic, I get Sonic. Um, but I think in there, the Lord convicted us a little bit. There's good here, too. And so we've actually added a third pocket money line that is for the kids. So the kids say, hey, we want ice cream. We can say, okay, it's there. And again, there's, there's a ton of levels where this happens. And this is pretty much the bottom of the rung is whether or not we have money to get the kids ice cream. But we want to make sure that our, our spiritual discernment of our resources spans beyond not just, okay, Lord, there's your chunk and I'm going to go do whatever I want over here. Um, now, in fairness, or not in fairness, in, in full disclosure, they get ice cream, the 49-cent cone from uh, Quick Trip, and Karen and I still do Dairy Queen and Sonic. <laughs> okay. I think that's good for there. Couple things. Uh, we, we talked earlier that, that the level of wealth uh, or treasure that you have uh, doesn't dictate whether or not you are in love with it. Um, the amount you are given is not important. How you handle what is entrusted to you is very important. We see this in the talents, right? Um, the one that was given ten and the one that we were given five were given different amounts. But it's how they handled them that set them apart uh, from the third guy, right? Uh, this plays into another aspect. Uh, Faith requires action. I mentioned that we'd spent some time trying to get our budget figured out. And it's not because two years ago I figured out what this needs to be. It's because two years ago I finally said, okay, I know that you need to send out less than you bring in is is kind of the functionality there. We needed to do something with that. Um, So the amount isn't important. What is important is that we're being intentional with it uh, and that we're making action. uh, Knowing what to do and then actually doing it. One of the blessings of our life together is there's an opportunity to expand our treasure in community. Eric shared something for most of the last part of, of the year last year. Uh, when I needed to mow my lawn, it began with a phone call to Eric saying, hey, can I borrow your mower? Because I have two in my garage and I can't seem to get either of them to work. But we have an opportunity in being wise about sharing what we have. Tools, ladders, lawnmowers, uh, children's clothing, um, fixing meals. What? Children's clothing? Do we need some children's clothing? So um, we actually just got... Two boxes shipped in with my parents for the weekend from my niece, for Lucy. So, uh, but beyond that, again, kind of drawing back to that talents, what about skills and abilities? I've heard Brad Schleter can lay a wood floor. Not only have I heard it, I've seen it. So can we share our abilities? Can we paint with each other? I'm, I'm not offering Brad to paint. <laughs> Give me a little time, man. A little time. He's not done yet. Let him finish his project and give him a beer. Um, One of the things about stewarding our life uh, is, is being wise about it and thinking about it. And do we really need four chainsaws in a cluster of ten people? Hmm. I suppose it depends on how big the storm is. But can we share those things? So that's on here. Two final aspects. Uh, simplicity is important. Um, detachment from our possessions frees us to serve others. Uh, using what God has given us, again, 
for his purpose and his glory. Um, there's an aspect here about living in, in a humble uh, dependence upon the Lord. And again, back to those, those ideas, we need to, to internalize that the Lord provides. We can do that when we give him the opportunity to provide. When he, we give him the opportunity to show his majesty, to be dependent upon him. Um, I've shared some of, of our experience last year. We, every time I wasn't sure where the next grocery trip was coming from, something would happen. Uh, and and that, that happens when we give the Lord the opportunity to do it. Uh, again, we certainly have to do our parts. Uh, we, have to, we have to pray. We have to be active. Uh, but the Lord does want us to be able to trust him. And finally... Uh, all of this, really all of our life, all of our call, all of these ideals point to uh, charity, right? Holiness is the perfection of charity. And love requires expression. Uh, and so one way we make co- love concrete is sharing what we have with others. We use the term charity in our circles to mean love, and we know that. But outside of our circles, we use the term charity in what we're giving. And it's done best when it's done in love. I'm giving to charity when I love the individual that will be served by that enough to see that they're served. Uh, And we can do that with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. Um, Our ideal as members of Heart of the Redeemer is to live lives of generosity and concern for others rather than lives of anxiety and self-concern. We need to entrust ourselves and our security to the Lord. And make that fundamental choice, that fundamental decision for him to have lordship over our lives rather than giving that power to all of the other trappings of the world. So, there you go. Amen.